Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi there everyone, I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Laura Everest who is in a very warm Dubai at the moment and I know that because just before we started the recording she turned off the air conditioning which I'm very jealous of because outside in centigrade it's minus two here in the UK at home at the moment so uh, yes I'm very jealous that you're in the warm. Welcome to today's podcast Laura. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Lovely to be here, warm or not. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we were warm just over a week ago. We were 24 degrees just over a week ago. Now we're minus two. You know, who, who knew? But tell us a, a little bit about you and tell us any story that you've got to share with listeners. Help us get to know a little bit more about Laura. Okay, so um, I have been lucky enough to grow up overseas my whole life. Um, my father's job was overseas, so I had to go to boarding school at quite a young age. Um, I started my career 30 years ago at, more than actually, um, mm-hmm. um, at Harrods in London. And I was there for over a decade working with or, or managing very large teams. Um, and then my husband and I... Um, moved with our jobs or his job and we've traveled around a lot so we've done a lot of time in um, the far east a little bit in the far east a lot of time in the middle east and this is our 13th year in dubai and we live here we've lived through lockdown with uh, four big dogs and a cat so we practice conflict management regularly okay yeah your uh, husband i have and um and two very grown-up kids my son's just qualified as a pilot bad timing um, and he's getting himself organized and we're here still with our, our daughter based here and our life has been here for, for all that time really. So dogs, four dogs. Now you see you're the first person I've ever spoken to from Dubai who actually has dogs. So oh, what, there's what, loads of dogs here. Loads. There, what, what dogs, dogs, what dogs do you have then? Because we've, we've got three I, dogs. How, what dogs do you, do you have? I have um, yellow Labrador retrievers and they're huge. They're almost like little horses. They're so big. Why? I don't know. We have (laughs) mummy, daddy and two of the seven pups that we we raised. Ah, and the cat lives with the dogs, does it? In the same house? Our cat lives outside, so we don't have the problem with conflict. Well, we we didn't want, we weren't planning on a cat, but the cat unfortunately was a tiny kitten, and she was thrown in our rubbish bin outside, and her tail was broken. She was about three, four oh. weeks old. We were all allergic to cats, but you know she stole our hearts, and she's lived with us ever since. And she unfortunately <coughs> rules the roost a little. She's mm. our baby, and she gets very, very spoiled. So no, the dogs aren't, and she are not best friends. I think tolerate yes. is it nice way to describe it (laughs) yeah so you you've gone from Harrods in managing teams tell the listeners a little bit about 
what has moved you into the business that you have now? Just give us a little bit of that transition information. Sure. Well, obviously, you know, through Harrods, I ran, um, you know, I was very involved with the fashion and cosmetics floor, and they are huge departments with, you know, I think overall between them, there's about 900 staff. So, you know, consequently, wow. when you're working with lots and lots of people in lead, you know, as leader, you get involved with many other aspects of the business. And when you're working, um, you know, in a place where you're selling things that perhaps other stores sell, but at a much higher price, you've got to have the right service and the right ambiance and everything. And then that comes down to your people. So I kind of got very involved in the people role. Um, and as I moved out of Harrods with my husband's job, I was very much involved in leadership um, consulting and coaching and particularly working on women's empowerment in Qatar and doing lots of things and building. And when I came to Dubai, I, you know, I've done this now for so many years. I've gone around the world training leaders and teams. Um, and so it was quite a natural thing to fall back into, into the training business when I came out here 13 years ago. But I had a massive change, which I'll share with you in a minute. I had seven and a half years ago, I had, my whole life was halted and reframed. And it, it really made a complete, uh, it refocused my entire purpose and what I believe I'm here to do and mm. where I am value in the world. So I kind of made some mammoth changes um, based on a terrible accident seven years ago. Wow. Okay. And it's, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody who it was a sort of preparation call for this podcast. And uh, I don't speak to people very often before the podcast, but this guy wanted to speak to me. And it's interesting. He, he comes from a, a very high corporate finance level and he has helped millionaires with misery. And it's interesting that he says, you know, very often the reason we shift and you said reframe there our lives and make those shifts is because of a significant trauma that has happened. Yeah, so I think I think we all need to know, you know, we all have a motivation in life or we should do. You know, we almost think you know, what gets us up in the morning, what really pushes us to do what we do. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people just do stuff and they don't always think about yeah. why. And I'm very much into why, like Simon Sinek, as to yeah. why do we do the things we do? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is where our, our passion comes from, our, our wanting to achieve and do things in life all comes, starts with our, our key, you know, uh, purpose. And I think the problem is, if you don't know your key purpose, and you're just kind of stepping through life, you end up living as somebody else's purpose and what they yeah. want. And you never feel that you're really fulfilled in what you're doing. So I'm, I'm passionate about helping people anyway, that's part of a little bit of what I do, yeah. of helping people find what really they feel most important about and, and find their way of making it happen. So before we now, now you've built the intrigue before we find out more about that life changing uh, moment or period. Tell us about the coffee you're drinking. You know, you were saying before the recording, you mentioned the magic words for me, Nespresso. I love my Nespresso machine. I've got a KitchenAid Nespresso machine. It has worked its socks off during the last 12 months of lockdown. I never wondered why I would pay so much for a coffee machine. But now I know because it has worked diligently and served me coffee you know, throughout the whole of this, but tell us a little bit about the coffee you're drinking, Laura, and why. 
Well, I'll tell you what, my husband bought the Nespresso machine when I had my accident because I couldn't get around and I'll share why. And it became my box of sweeties. So mm. I'm fascinated. I, and I have to say, I, I'm a real snob about coffee. So I really love coffee, but I'm a bit fickle. It depends on new flavors that come out, new things. Yeah. And I'm up there and I decide during the day which one I'm going to have when. And I try to diffuse that with decaf in between to try and pretend <laughs> doing better Bit of token. Um, and a few glasses of water in between that to try and convince myself it's just fine yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, my box of tricks <laughs> yeah. so what's your what's your favorite coffee you know, are you do you like dark roast is it more yeah. sort of city roast uh, and is there any particular beans just tell us a little bit more about uh, the, the... no I, I quite well I quite like a nutty a nutty coffee um okay generally quite like it full uh full flavored i drink strong pretty strong coffee um so i like it to taste nice don't like to dilute it with milk and things but i'm not a great fan of espresso and the reason why even though i like it i feel cheated it's so little gone in so fast and i haven't had time to kind of really enjoy it so yeah. i try to or a slightly longer coffee, uh, just so I can savor it a bit longer. But I, you know, I can be a bit fickle. If someone yeah. introduced something lovely. But I mean, I, I'm with you on the. I mean, I love espressos, but it's it's over so quickly. And you know, I sit there with my little biscuit at the side of it and think, you know, the coffee is surely supposed to last longer than the biscuit, but very often the biscuit's <laughs> still there. But yeah, the Nespresso machine I've got, you know, it's got, f I think, six settings on it. So I can have different sizes of uh, espressos. But the thing I love most, uh, and I, I buy them off of Amazon now, are the Lungo pods yes. from the Nespresso yeah. machine. And I, yeah, find, yeah. I find that it gives me the intensity of the espresso, but just gives me a slightly a longer more. drink. Yes, well, I feel I've just a little bit more worth, worthwhile. And, and this is actually one of my favorite mugs. So what I do now is I've set the machine so that it just fills it to the right amount in here every time. Yeah. Got it sussed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting you say mugs because we've had some people talk a lot about their mugs and you mentioned that uh, is one of your favorite mugs. Tell us a little bit about the mugs because obviously the listeners can't see the mug. Describe the mug to us and tell us why it's your favorite mug. Well, actually, it's a shape. It's a really cute, I love the shape of it. It holds nicely in my hand. It's slightly rounded, which I really love. Uh, red is a favorite color of mine. And it's not, it's heavy to pick up, which I like, but mm. it's not so thick that you're, you know, you can't kind of get to the coffee because, yep. you know, sometimes when those mugs are so thick, you can't enjoy it. Tea, which I'm not a big tea drinker, but I would drink tea. I do understand this thing of drinking tea in a thinner mug or porcelain-y thing yeah yeah see i like it chunky um yeah. part of the flavor but I, th I think as coffee drinkers i've come across more coffee drinkers have more favorite mugs than tea drinkers tea drinkers as you say it might be a china it might be a particular style of cup but very often it's just one of many where coffee drinkers very often have their one mug that they like to drink their coffee out of so, I'm one so, of those. Yeah. So you've intrigued us enough. You've held us in suspense now two or three times. Tell us a little bit more about this story and uh, and the backstory behind it. Okay. So I was working for a premier training company out here in Dubai as one of their leadership consultants. Um, and I'm in my spare time. I was a runner, 
um, love sport. Used to get up sadly 4.30 in the morning Mm -hmm. to get out and go and get a run in before I started work. Because here we all start quite early. And um, I was on a normal run and I was on my way back and I was hit by a car and I was thrown 30 feet down the road. My right foot came off completely. My left leg was twisted, bone out, completely smashed. I separated my hamstring. I broke my left elbow, lost half the lower arm. I fractured my right wrist. I dislocated all my fingers and I fractured ribs in my back. And originally, um, well, they thought, would I survive it? I knew Mm. I was going to. Um, Decision made. Um, And then um, there was talk that they would amputate my feet. Um, then there was talk I'd never walk again. And I, you know, I felt differently. I thought, no, they didn't amputate my feet. And I decided that I would walk again. I started working when I came out of the high dependency ward. And 11 weeks after my terrible accident in a wheelchair, I was in a wheelchair for uh, five months initially, I delivered my first training to 80 merchandisers on stage, completely bound. And it was successful. And I traveled the world. I've done so many things. I've so far had 17 surgeries. I'm rebuilt with titanium and I have (laughs) more surgery ahead. And people were asking me, how are you so resilient? And I thought, I don't know. I seem to be, but I'm not really sure what I'm doing. So I thought, well, I need to figure this out. And then somebody else said to me, what do you think was the point of your accident? I thought, wow, that's kind of a really big question. So I thought, I need to figure this out a bit more. What is this? What's my purpose here? So I started studying positive psychology under the University of Pennsylvania, um, under Marty Seligman, Friedrichsen. And then I did appreciative inquiry, and I thought, I'm getting there, but I'm missing something. And then I was reintroduced, because I was introduced a long time ago, to Gallup Strengths. And suddenly my life, I found my purpose. I found everything. I realized that what I had been doing, the whole point of my, through my accident, was that I had, without realizing, was tapping into inner strength that I Mm. didn't know there. And was, without realizing, using that to get me back up. And every time I had a setback, I was somehow finding a way, and I won't ever say bounce, because bounce is for people who just have a little twinkly tittle. <laughs> you really are, have got something tough and something as terrible as happening to you, when you want to be resilient, you certainly don't bounce. You claw yeah. your way back and you use every goddamn strategy you know to get you back on your feet. And really I've good. now done this 17 times. But what I've realized is that we are all actually a hell of a lot stronger than we ever realized. We've got strengths that we are so used to being part of who we are that we don't even recognize them. We assume that everyone does what we do, but in fact, they don't. And really, when it comes to being able to thrive in life, it actually starts from where your strengths are, where your hidden reserves are. And when you know what those things are, and you learn to intentionally work on them and leverage them, believe me, you achieve things you did not think were possible. And I am, I have no magic resilient gene. I'm, I probably 
you know, maybe something, I don't know. But I have learned exactly how to thrive. And what I've realized is that anybody can do it. You just need to understand how. So what that did is it made me realize with my purpose that the accident just brought me up to think, you know what? When I've trained leaders and professionals around the world and everyone says, here, do the course on motivation. Yep. Here's yep. the tick box traits of being a good leader. I realized, you know what? That's not good enough because we all have different things we're great at. And sometimes we lose our own self-belief because we think we don't have this and we don't have that. But rather than look at saying, but actually, I might not have that, but I have this and this is my authentic style and this is what I can offer the world. So what I did then is I realized that rather than just do leadership journeys or, or general training, I now like to say to people, no, let's start with seeing who you are. What are your strengths? Because yeah. most people actually don't know them. And when we look at that, we, people say, wow, I, I, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know I could do this or, oh, yes. I can. So what we do is we look at that and say, right, now what do you want to be known for? Let's talk about how we can make that happen. So it's really coming from a really positive place. And I think in COVID, in the last month, uh, year, I've you know been fortunate enough to work with Dubai TV and on various podcasts and with um, the Gulf newspapers here to actually say mm -hmm. to people, don't you know? There's so many negative things and it's terrible. But if you if you see the negatives, you'll only see that. And there are so many other things we can look at. So it's about how to reframe, how to rethink, and to believe that actually there's a lot of silver linings in life that perhaps we might be missing that can make yeah. our lives. It's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, you think about uh, the things certainly over here in the UK that I've seen on TV, there have been very what the press call ordinary people. And I, I, I hate that phrase because I don't believe anybody's ordinary. But the these ordinary people have achieved incredible things, you know. Uh, you know, so to Captain Tom Moore, you know, just literally with that Zimmer frame, walking those things, you know, like say clawing his way up and down his garden, every step in pain and in agony. And we've seen children do it. And it's interesting you say there about the, we don't bounce because I think the government are saying a lot of that at the moment around the world. Are we going to bounce, no bounce back from this? No, 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 no yeah. bounce, no bounce back, that. no bounce forward. It's not a bounce. No. So uh, I almost, a saying came to mind when you said you you know we we claw our way to to thriving it's almost as though that feeling that the universe is making us earn our stripes yes and i've in fact i've just written my book and it's going to publication i think in about two weeks i'm just formatting Ooh, the cover okay. and the book now and it's called rebuilt to last and it is about resilience and it's partly my story because let's be honest, we all have a story, even if it's not a terrible accident like mine. I've had many, many, many other challenges over the last few years, um, a lot that business people or, or parents can relate to. Um, and honestly, it is about showing people that my, my purpose is to allow people to see their own greatness so they can achieve extraordinary things because we can all be extraordinary. All of us can do remarkable things. It's not a, a, you know, um, a special thing for a chosen few. No. And it's just understanding how to tap into the right things that when you're feeling lousy to pull yourself out of a negative mindset and be able to look more optimistically on, you know, realistically 
optimistic rather yeah. than a Pollyanna approach and be able to say, actually, there's a lot I can do within my circle of influence to make my life better and to change things, especially with this COVID have made so many people doubt who they are, question their decision making, lose confidence. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, don't feel stuck. There's lots you can do. Um, and, and I think, as you say, there are so many kids do it without thinking. Um, you know, some people do this instinctively, but they don't realize, but we can yeah. all do it. It is something that's not just for a select few. So what would you say to those listeners that are perhaps thinking, OK, um, I, I can probably give you some strengths, but I've got so many weaknesses. People tend to go to a negative place and they get sort of held back. You know, I've got a wonderful image I use on one of my webinars of a um, a horse tied to a plastic chair and the horse doesn't move because its mindset says that that plastic chair is holding me in place. And very often those weaknesses that we keep getting through in our mind hold us back. What would you say that would help people shift and probably escape that set of weaknesses that are holding them back? The thing is, you know, all of us have weaknesses, okay? But what tends to happen is because of the way we are through evolution set up, we we want to stay away from things that threaten us and we want to move towards things rewarding. So yeah. consequently, when we see something that we feel is a weakness, it's a threat. And so we worry about it. We panic about it. And we think we've got to try and fix it, fix it, change it. But the reality is, you know, yes, we have weaknesses, but what's more important is if you try and fix a weakness, you can fix it to a certain degree, but it's there. We can't be great at everything. It's just yeah. who we are. But what we need to look at is actually we there are certain things we can be good at that we're talented in. And that actually where you have a repository of talent, if you concentrate and leverage that, you will take that much, much further than just trying to fix a weakness. Yeah. So it's not about ignoring weaknesses, but it's saying you actually have far, far more talents than you have weaknesses. But people don't look at where they're naturally strong, partly because of they're looking at what's wrong and what's wrong and what's wrong, and partly because they, they undervalue who they are. They think yeah. that everyone does what they do, but actually they don't. There are people around saying, oh, yes, but, you know, oh, well, I'm, I, you know, I organize everything, but, oh, you know, it's a terrible thing. No, it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, how do you use that? How does it move you forward? So if you're great with a relationship builder, we're great with friends, that's fantastic. How are you using it? So we all have different strengths. It's just learning how to leverage them. And when you do, it puts you in a really good place yeah. and your weaknesses become less important. And I, I'm, as you were saying it there as well, I don't know if the listeners heard that there, but it's a sense that, yes, we've got the weaknesses and we should accept them and they're there, not try and, as you say, fix them. But the strengths that we have, the opportunities to thrive that we have, you know, as you were talking there, I got this picture of a, 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 a my favorite color is orange, by the way. I know you said yours is red, but mine's orange. But yeah, yeah. orange, yellow, orange, red, great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's in the same spectrum. Um, but that that light of our strengths puts the weaknesses into a dim light, doesn't it? And it, Correct. you know, it's Correct. not trying to balance them, it's just focus on the things that you're really great at, and they will overshadow. I don't like using that word overshadow, but they will become so bright that the weaknesses will just be dim and to one side. But so still what there. I, 
Yeah, what I what I sometimes do is I, I liken it a little bit to a school report. You know, when if you were at school or your kids were at school and they come home with a report, maybe you see A's, B's, maybe some C's and a D. What's the first thing people do is, oh, my goodness, what happened to your C's, D's? You know, yeah. what went wrong? Why didn't you work hard enough? But actually, you know what? Most people, if they got D's, they didn't do it because they did it on purpose. They did it because they couldn't do something. It's not yeah. C's and D's. So what happened here? How will you fix it? You don't know because you don't know why you did it so badly. But if we look at the A's and B's and we say, my goodness, this is fantastic. What were you doing to get this? Oh, that's amazing. So how do you think we can use that and get even more A's and B's? Yeah, yeah. And so when people, if you connect people to problems, it closes the mind and they can't see a way forwards. But when you connect people to what good looks like and how they've done something brilliantly, the mind gets excited and it yeah. looks for opportunities and it looks for ways forward. So suddenly you become much more solution orientated and you actually do move yourself forwards. So this is why I urge people to really think about what energizes them naturally and what they naturally do well and to think this is a talent for you. Don't waste it. How can you leverage it and make even more of it? Because that's where you really will succeed from. So I want to take you back to a moment of your story where you said that people around you were wondering whether you were going to survive it. And I can't imagine what those kind of injuries must have been like. You know, I've been involved in motorcycle racing for most of my working life, and I've seen some horrific injuries. And many of them have been you know, life ending uh, and very few of them actually even come close to what you went through so uh, you know well done on getting through that but if people around you are saying you know will she survive it you then said but I knew I was going to you made a decision didn't you you make a choice okay everything in life is a choice you get to decide what comes next you you do mm. and that's the way it is but you know when I lay there people said stay with us and I thought they think I'm dying I thought no you know what I am so not <laughs> I am still young, my kids are young, I have a great job, I have a happy home life, great friends, I've got plenty, I have so much energy, I've got plenty to be doing in my life, I am not going to die. That was the first decision that I knew I was going to make, and I thought, mm. you know what, sometimes we are really vulnerable, but and it's horrible being vulnerable and putting yourself just in everybody else's hands to fix you and sort you. So it's not a nice feeling when you like to be in control. But the point is sometimes we have to accept that and we have to say that if we're broken, we need, there are people, there are experts who can help us. Just as I know when people are stuck, I can say, come and I can show you. I can yeah. find ways yeah. to fix you, to help you, to move forwards. So you have to put your trust into others and trust in the system. And then you've got to believe it because if you put beliefs, self-limiting beliefs of, oh, I can't, I won't, it's not gonna happen. Mm. We've got no idea what's going to happen, but we can believe that it's going to work. And if we tell ourselves, I believe I've got a damn good chance here, you give yourself that opportunity. It doesn't mean you won't fail necessarily at some things, but it does mean that it gives you a better chance. I was heartbroken when I knew I couldn't run again, it was a major passion in my life. And I still struggle with that 
but I do sport every day, but non-impact, I do different things. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't like being in a wheelchair. I've still, I still may face amputation moving forwards. We'll have to see. But you know what? I've made my peace with that. I've decided wheelchair for the rest of my life or possible amputation. I'll take that, get some fantastic hoops and I'm damned if I'm going <laughs> to yeah. But the thing is, everything is a choice and you can either choose to sit as a victim or not. But if you do, the only person that ends up unhappy is you. Your friends get fed mm. up with it, family get fed up and life just crushes you. And in this life, you either get crushed or you decide to not to be. And I think, you know, there are so many people around who can help anybody who's stuck yeah. feel that they can get out of it. And it's interesting about making that decision because you know, I've been in a couple of instances in my life where I've made sort of similar life-changing decisions and you know, pretty catastrophic life-changing decisions. And a lot of people say it must be so hard, but in that moment, the clarity that you get by making that decision, everything around it, either side of it might be hard, but the actual do I do it, yes or no, is literally a toss of a coin. Yeah, making that decision, your decision there to say, I knew I was going to, for you was quite an easy decision, yet people around you would have seen that as a very difficult decision. Yep, they did. And in fact, the whole way through this, the surgeons, every surgeon that looks at my legs, I now see the best, arguably one of the best ankle surgeons in the world, who's based in London, um, and uh, Mr. Andrew Goldberg, he is phenomenal. He's done stuff on my legs that, you know, what cutting edge surgery that wasn't available a couple of years ago, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I have to say, though, that every surgeon that's looked at my x-rays or every doctor says, your injuries are so bad, it is impossible to walk on your legs. So, but I'm walking yeah. and I'm doing sport and I'm doing. So the thing is, what people can tell you of what they see from one side is not who you are and how you think. Yeah. So you have a lot of personal power yeah. to make yeah. changes to help yourself. Yeah. So going back to the business side uh, of what you do then, um, tell us a little bit about how the, the, the most recent business started and, and how people can find out more about you and connect with that. So I realized that, you know, I was working corporately and, um, you know, then I started running strengths and it became a, a huge deal. Um, it was interesting for the company that I was working with, but it was my overriding passion. And I knew that this was really where I wanted to make my resilience and strengths based leadership strengths-based professional development was where I really knew I have a very strong niche area. So um, I set up my own business uh, just before COVID. <laughs> I've done, Good you know, timing. it's quite challenging. Um, I've done keynotes on COVID times and um, I think the internet's a wonderful place, dodginess. Um, so I started pre-COVID and, you know, just as lockdown happened, but, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, so I do training online, I do keynotes, um, 
coaching i'm doing i've had a lot of leaders i normally work with organizations um mm -hmm. and helping with the culture and the well you know the professional well-being of remote working um and building strengths based productivity um and you know and i i do have been working with a lot of leaders who've kind of got to a certain position and thought help i feel suddenly stuck where you know what's my purpose where am i going so that's how i've been you know been using a lot of things i am available uh, i do a lot of uh, stuff through linkedin as well uh, on my website laurareverestconsulting.com um and people are welcome to reach out you know i am you know over the last seven years i have become an absolute master in terms of resilience and strengths-based development and you know i have a very wide audience of people that i i work with and, and help find their way forwards i think the most amazing thing listeners that you'll pick up on this and you know we're so privileged with so many guests to have this is that laura you've actually not just studied it and got some kind of accreditation you've lived it and that makes and such a difference this, to what you deliver yeah this is the key thing because i have to be honest as a even prior to my accident you know uh, when I trained on leadership, I, I've been a leader for years anyway. But when you talk about resilience and things, they are ultimately things where your limited experience and a lot of yeah. textbook research that you work on. But it's only until you've actually gone through it that it really you suddenly think that is a load of boulder dash. Think positive. Whoa. Wouldn't we all love to just think positive? But when things are hard, it's not that simple. You know, when you're feeling really low, you don't bounce. So it's really learning how to do things. And I've done this. I've picked myself up so far 17 times and I've still got more to go. Um, it's not always easy. It's not a walk in the park at all. But you feel really miserable some days. But you can. There are ways in which you just find to dig your heels in and help yourself get back up. Great. So best place, LinkedIn, Laura LinkedIn, Everest Laura and your Everest, website. My website or on my email, I'm uh, uh, Laura, uh, what's it? Laura Everest Consulting. Uh, Laura, Laura Everest Consulting .com is, my web, is my um my email address. And obviously, you know, please reach out. I've, written, I've just written my book, Rebuilt to Last. It's coming out shortly. If anyone's interested, happy to give it the first 10 people. And, and, and where will that be available? You know, we need to I'm make sure we get this launch. Okay. I'm launching it first on Amazon because I also wanted people to have an opportunity to download it as, um, you know, as a soft copy if they wanted yep. to. I love a book, but some people much prefer it to read it. So it's coming out, I think, in about, um, roughly speaking, I think about three weeks. Watch this space, guys. Okay. If anyone's interested, obviously the first 10 people get a copy free. Um, and um, yes, if I can help, I, you know, this is my passion. It's my purpose. Yeah. I realize that I can do this and I feel that it's my, yeah. I have a buzz from knowing that I've made a difference to people's yeah. lives. So if I, if you're stuck and you feel you need help, or your organization is stuck, then, you know, I'm delighted to help. So I'm going to ask you a leading question then as, as one of the last sort of business questions here, you mentioned about women's empowerment. Okay. Yes. Uh, and obviously you're, you're certainly in an area of the world, uh, which is probably not quite as well renowned for women's empowerment. Uh, if you could give the listeners perhaps some of the, the, the female listeners or some of the people in here who um, need to be better leaders 
in their businesses what what lesson what tip would you give those people around empowerment i think partly is that i think women need to help each other if they can i think women's voices need to be heard unfortunately there is the likability um issue where men unfortunately get put and looked at first and if men do something and they they state it loudly it's accepted if women do they're bossy they're this they're that mm. there is a lot of this unfortunately going around but I think it's about women helping women to elevate women if you're a woman leader look at the people around you who is there look at your daughters look at the young people how can you help them raise their own self-confidence to believe in what they're good at help them see their strengths Work from a strengths basis. What are they good at? How can they elevate that? Any leader needs to be authentic. There's no one lot of traits. So it's really male or female is really looking at where you're naturally gifted, what you naturally do well. How can you elevate that? And for females, even more so, what do you need to do? Can you mentor somebody? You know, how can you how can you make sure women are brought to the table, men as well? How can you help them? It is important because they tend to be squashed back. And I don't believe in this thing of women first, men second. I do believe that it, there's an equality. It's who's the best to be considered. Yeah. But there is a gender gap and that yeah. needs to be bridged. Yeah. And it is about using people for their strengths, for their abilities, for their skills and being authentic, isn't it? I think you said something very important. Authentic there. leadership is what it's at. If you try to yeah. be somebody else, you're never going to gain the trust of the people. And ultimately, you won't do your job well. So unless you really are clear on your strengths and you know your personal brand, you know, when you look at career success, it's based on three things, your performance, your image and your exposure. And our performance is only worth 10%. So the rest comes down to 30% of who we are, how we brand ourselves, and then how we expose it. And if you're not authentic and know your brand, you're going to come a bit unstuck. Yeah. So listeners, check out Laura on LinkedIn, her website. And yes, we need to make sure we are checking out the new book that's coming out as well. And I'll make sure... I'll share that with if, you, the details, as soon as it comes yeah, out. Yeah, if you send me the link, I'll make sure we put it in the details below the podcast. That would be absolutely great. I'm, I'm always up for somebody who takes the amount of time and effort. I think until you've written a book, you don't understand how much discipline and effort goes into it. So uh, credit to you for that. And we should support that, definitely. So thinking about your, your next coffee, Laura, if you could have your next coffee in a dream location, describe it to us. Where would it be? What would it be like? Honestly, truly, if you had asked me this probably six months ago, I would have said Crete. It's my one of my favourite places in the world. I love really? Crete. I've been going there with the family and with people for years. I love, love, love it. But reality... Honestly, with the lockdown and the way things are, I've not been able to get back to UK now for, um, ne I've not seen my mother for nearly a couple of years. And that bothers me. So mm. I think if I could have my choice, my dream would be to get back and be able to see my family, see my mother. And actually she doesn't do Zoom unless <laughs> she's family. She's not really yeah. technically forward. Some of you, you know, listeners may, but no families like that. So that would be my dream copy to have one with my mum, Nespresso. She has that too. Right. In her kitchen, that would do me 100%. Yeah. And I've got to ask a question because I know, you know, whenever I used to go to, to my mum's for any kind of tea or coffee, there was always a treat. There was either 
uh, a custard tart or a biscuit. You know, I'd always got to have something with a drink. Anything that you would probably want to have or wish that your mum would give you when you're having that coffee? Well, I'm a huge cook, actually, and I bake almost every day. So, uh, you know, I've always liked something with my coffee. I think I would probably want something that my mum makes that I don't make so much. Uh, what would that be? Um, hmm. uh, do you know what she's great at? She makes really good bread pudding. She makes loads of lovely things, but Ooh. one of the things she makes that I don't make much of is bread pudding. She makes a great one. That's a childhood treat yeah. or something called a banana fritter, which, uh, you know, mashed bananas sort of done yeah. and fried. Yeah. Those things are childhood treats. So that would be something I would particularly uh, love. It brings back great memories. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, my wife asked me what we wanted for pudding on Saturday and we're actually having bread pudding so uh, ah, with, with, uh, van- vanilla <laughs> custard so uh yeah oh so, perfect yeah. perfect yeah. so uh, yeah that's that's one of my favorites as well so i'm with you all the way on that <laughs> laura thank you very much for taking part listeners you've heard an amazing story you know uh, I- i'm so privileged that you each have been able to hear laura's story that resilience and that that choice when people around you are wondering whether you're going to survive it and you lie there and you say, yes, I am. What, what an inspiration. So thank you very much for sharing that story and the tips that you've given us as well. And I think it's very important that we do look at empowerment and we use all the things you've talked about today of skills, uh, being authentic and our abilities and our strengths and have that overwhelming light of strengths that puts our weaknesses slightly in a dimmed area i think yeah thank you very much you've been an absolute star sharing all of that today i really do appreciate thank it. you so much for today loved it thank you very much for asking me and of course listeners as always this is part of my mission to help businesses around the globe be more aware i think we've had more awareness than uh, i can feel of for, for a long long while better educated, some great tips that we've taken away. And amazingly, and I'm so happy, we've talked about coffee too as well. And we've got a a shared love for a couple of things, Nespresso machines and uh, bread pudding as well. So uh, thank you very much, listeners, for being on this podcast. And I look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now. (laughs) 